You're listening to the Revelation Podcast brought to you by Open Bible Baptist Church. We're so glad you've chosen to listen today. To learn more about Open Bible or to hear more messages, visit openbible.ca. In today's episode, Dr. Neil Sawatsky talks about a time coming that will be so bad men will want to die. What are the strange animals described in this part of Revelation? To answer this question, here is Dr. Neil Sawatsky. There's coming a day in the future when men will wish to die. I do not have a death wish. I have a living wish. I, I wish to live, knowing that death will come in God's own time. But I am not looking to die. I don't have any request for that. I've got nothing in my will saying at such and such a day I want to choose to be put to death. I have none of that in my plans. But I want us to think tonight about a time when men will wish to die. And we find that in the book of the Revelation, chapter 9. You might want to open your Bible so that it becomes familiar to you as to what this, uh, this text is about. So in Revelation 9, we have this marvelous, marvelous unfolding of events that are yet future. Again, I remind you that we are a people who believe in a future prophecy. We believe that something is yet to happen. We believe that there's something yet to happen with Israel. We believe there's a phenomenal thing that's going to happen to the church. Church will be taken out of here, and there's going to be an unbelievable, in fact, Jesus calls it an unprecedented time that will unfold. And Daniel explains it as being the 70th week of Daniel. 70th week means seven. So it's not a partial tribulation. It's not half a tribulation. It's seven weeks or seven, seven years of tribulation. Uh, we see the trumpets as we have walked through the revelation thus far on Sunday nights, and we, we see the trumpets beginning to sound in chapter 8. And remember in the revelation, we have the seals, we have the trumpets, and then we have the bulls or the vials, depending on how you read it. But we have the first to the fourth trumpet that we have already looked at, and then we come this evening to the fifth trumpet that is about to sound. And one of the things I want you to realize is that the fifth trumpet uh, is introduced with a very, very interesting uh, statement. Something unique is going to happen. But the angel in the last part of chapter 8 had said that there are three woes that are to come. And uh, so when we read in chapter 9, we read one woe is past, we read again the second woe is past, and then things go on and on and on, and it's hard to determine where the rest of it goes. But there's an interlude between the sixth and the seventh trumpet. We have the tenth chapter of Revelation, this unique little story about the angel coming down with this book that's sweet and bitter, and we have a number of other events, and then when the seventh trumpet blows, we find that somewhere later in the book of the Revelation. So this three woes that we look at tonight really covers an awful lot of material within the context of the 70th, 70th week of Daniel or the seven years of tribulation that is yet to happen. We're going to be looking at locusts tonight just for a little bit, not the entire sermon, but we're going to be looking at locusts. And I just did something. I'd like to uh, check with Google to see if Mr. Google knows anything. And I checked to see about pictures of the largest locusts that have ever been found. And I discovered this picture taken in 1937. 
There's no way to verify whether this is true or whether this is an artist's unique way of drawing and making constant attention to it. But if you've ever seen a grasshopper this big, that you would call a very, very big grasshopper. The, by the way, I might say that a grasshopper and a locust are almost the same. They're not the same, but they're very similar. And uh, just up front, you would probably think those grasshoppers was actually locusts out there doing a lot of damage. So, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Well, this, is not, this is not a science class. But, but I looked at that and I said, that's about the biggest that I can ever imagine seeing. But uh, Lois and I were driving. Somebody was actually driving us. When we go to Bolivia, uh, we actually get, uh, get driven around because I don't have a Bolivia license, so I don't do any driving there besides... Believe it or not, but they really think the left side of the road is smoother than the right. So you never know if a guy's going to be in your path or not. So I just choose not to drive. But we were going through a field. Believe it or not, as we're driving through the field, now I took a picture. There was a field just like this, and it was like this. And Lois and I said, strange-looking birds. So anyway, one of them got caught in the uh, grill in the front of the vehicle, and when we stopped, we went and looked at it and said, that's not a bird, that's a grasshopper. It's a giant, giant grasshopper. So uh, the people there would say, oh yeah, we get these here, and do they ever do an awful lot of damage to the crops when they de determine to infest a particular area, and uh, they are just a real nuisance. The, the locust infestation in Egypt was bad. The locust infestation in today's world when farmers see it coming, they immediately call for the exterminators to get help and so on. But anyway, we have seen some really unusual looking locusts in our lifetime. And, but we have never seen anything like what we have described in Revelation chapter 9. They're called locusts, but we have never seen anything like it. So I don't know if there's anything that anybody has ever seen like it. So just get your attention on that. I want us to look at the first thing, in answer to the question about when men will choose to die, will be when hell's demons break loose upon the earth. I, I do believe that there is coming a day when demonic activity will be far more than it is today. I, you and I have no idea about the atmospheric influences of evil that are out there in the world. I think they're all around. Uh, we can't see them, and gratefully we cannot. And we have a wonderful protection mechanism that God has placed upon us so that we don't see it. That's whether you're saved or whether you're not saved. You don't see the uh, the demon activity that's going on in the atmosphere. The Apostle Paul talked about it without making any big deal about it. When he said about the prince of the power of the air, he talked about principalities and powers and unique uh, creatures that are out there that are not known to man, to the visible eye. Not known to people that fly up in space either. They don't see it just because they go up in space. This is a spiritual dimension that cannot be seen by the human eye. But they're there. And every once in a while, the world gets a little glimpse of them. In the time of our Lord Jesus, there was a lot of demon activity. You recall that Jesus on very quite frequent occasions would cast demons out of individuals. Do you remember the one man who was out in the caves cutting himself and hurting himself, and he was considered to be a person who was not not able to stay in the village because he was too dangerous, and so they tried to tie him up, and they couldn't tie him with anything to hold him. But when Jesus met him, 
he talked to the person and he said, who are you? And he said, we're legion. And they said, and he said, okay, legion, I want you to come out of this man. And he's, they said, don't send us back. They said, give us something. And so Jesus gave them pigs, 2,000 of them that ran into the sea and drowned and probably are still in the bottom of that sea. I think I mentioned that sometime before, many years ago. But the fact is that one person possessed by multitude of demons, don't know how many, but they chose 2,000 pigs, so makes you wonder if there were 2,000 there, but we're not told there were. Just said that they chose and 2,000 pigs ran into the water. So that's, we do know that much. But we do know that there was more than one. Legion means a lot. And so uh, it doesn't mean one or two or five or ten. It means a great deal of demons that were inside this person making him behave in a very, uh, very weird manner. So demon possession was something that was quite common in the days when our Lord was here. Uh, we, we will see, or I don't know, but we will see, but we are seeing the unfolding of demonic activity as the future comes upon us. So we notice in the first verse of Revelation chapter 9, we notice that there was a angel fallen. So what I want you to notice here is that John says, and the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven onto the earth. So interesting that John saw this. What is this star that falls out of heaven? Well, when you go back to chapter 8, you notice that there is a star that is called Wormwood. That star is probably something that has a major contaminant associated with it, and it defiles so much. So there was something like a meteorite. It's something like an actual shooting star that you see, but it comes and it lands on the rivers and on the waters, and people die because of the contamination of the star that falls. So that is a star. That is something that has the substance of what a star is made of. And when we come to chapter 9, however, this is also the vision of a star, but it's not actually a literal star. We have a person that is the star here. So as we read in verse number one, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven. So there was coming a time when a major figure, and I'll tell you in a minute who I think that figure is, but I wouldn't die for it, and I wouldn't divide anybody over it, but just somebody who I think that figure is. But John sees him coming down from the sky. He sees him fall onto the planet here, and he becomes active. And uh, so what you notice is that he is the fallen angel. Now back in the beginning of time, there were angels created by God, angels that were to serve him, to honor him. But the interesting thing is that God made the angels with a will to choose, to stay loyal to God, or not to be loyal to God. And so there was one who said, I choose not to be loyal. I choose rather to dethrone you, and I choose rather to be the superior reigning one. So where did this angel get that kind of a nature? Where did this angel get that kind of an idea? But the fact is that though he was the, uh, the leading angel of the angel forces in the heavenlies, 
he had a desire for something more. And by the way, the desire he had was to be in the place of God. That was his desire. So it wasn't as if he was hoping to go out and kill everybody. It wasn't as if he was hoping to go and molest other people or other angels or, or whatever part of God's creation existed at that time. This was not his, it was not his doing that. His doing was, I want to be in the supreme God's place. That's where he wanted to be. This is, I think, about as devilish as anybody can ever be. This is about as wicked as anybody can ever be to seek to take the place of God. And lots of people try to do that. And uh, it just means that they are of their father, the devil, who actually did that in the very beginning of time. So he is called the fallen angel. So this angel that falls in Revelation chapter 9, verse 1, is most likely Lucifer, the son of the morning. Now, there are some writers who think that it might have been another type of angel that came out of the demon forces in the skies. I don't care to discuss that too much because I don't buy into that. I do think that what you have here is you now have the devil in Revelation 9 becoming more active than he has been. Uh, he is, right now, he's going back and forth to the throne of God accusing us. Right now, he's trying to create havoc in the churches, and he's trying to create havoc in the lives of people and destroying people every which way that he can conceive of destroying people. It's part of what he does. But the, but the fact is that the day is coming, in Revelation 12, we see him cast out, no more access to the heavenlies, but from chapter 9, it's not clear as to exactly what is going to happen to him from here, but he is no, no doubt, this is Lucifer, the son of the morning. You see, what I want you to see here is that Revelation chapter 9, verse 1 says, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. So if this was a star in the sense that we see a falling star, then the personal pronoun he would not have been used. And they didn't even use things like it, like she or she or say or stuff like that. Uh, they just simply used the pronoun he, because this was a masculine figure. And so if you have a masculine figure, you use the pronoun he. If you have a female figure, you use the pronoun she. Isn't that simple? That's how grammar should be. And uh, so that's what they used. They told us that this was, uh, this was a him. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. So why don't you notice here is that this personage that comes down out of the sky, out of heaven, this is what John sees, sees him coming down. So wherever he came from, the fact is he came down. And as he lands down, he has been handed a key. He didn't carry the key. He doesn't have the key. It's not in his possession. But it is given to him for a purpose. And it's given to him for a time. So the key was given him. I just want us to realize that... He has no authority but that which God gives him. So if you say the devil is bothering me, uh, I don't know if it's the devil doing that, because I think he's got bigger fish to fry than you and me. But he would certainly be pleased to have us bothered. He would certainly be pleased to have somebody give us an awful lot of hard times, so he would be glad to do that. But remember this, that the devil himself, the demons of hell, and the demons of the atmosphere have absolutely no control over you on their own. They cannot do anything but what God allows them to do. Well, God has promised us an awful lot of protection, so I don't want to get into demonology. 
But I just want us to realize from the first statements that we have here that this fallen angel that comes down is powerless except where God lets him take care of some issues and problems. Do you remember in the book of Job, uh, Satan had been wandering back and forth and he said to God, he said, you know, give me some liberty with this man and he'll curse you to your face. And God says, do anything you want, but just don't kill him. And so uh, the devil went about to do him a lot of harm, boils to sickness on destruction of his family, destruction of his property. So an awful lot of things happened, but he was not allowed to kill Job, and Job did not curse God. And this really frustrated the devil because he really believes you'll curse God if he can do you enough harm. If you can just, and if I can, if all of us can just realize that whatever happens to us, nothing will ever happen to us except that God allows it. And nothing will ever happen to us except God says there's a way out of it so that you can bear it. You don't have to cave in to any of the problems that the devil likes to place in your path. Just plain and simple. But how powerful that is. I also want us to realize that he is not in final control of the affairs of the world. He cannot make havoc of this world at his own will. He cannot create all kinds of wars and all kinds of difficulties except God says go ahead and do it. He has to ask permission. God has to give him that liberty to be able to do it. He cannot on his own. And I think that's just a very wonderful thing to be uh, reminded of. We notice in verse number two that he opened the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit is the abyss. And that is a pit that has no bottom to it. So when it's called the bottomless pit, it means that there's no base to it. So where could you possibly go to find a bottomless pit? The only place that you can find a bottomless pit would be in the core of the earth. So in the center of the earth, you would have no up and you would have no down. It would just be a circular situation. You have no ceiling and you don't actually have any bottom. It's bottomless. So anybody that's in the hub and the hub and the exact center of the earth would be in Never Never Land in the sense that there's no up, there's no down, there's there's nothing there except that's just bottomless. There's nothing to it. It doesn't just mean deep. Although if you think in terms of the center of the earth, that's pretty deep. But it's it has to do with the abyss. So to him was given the key to, the, and he opened the bottomless pit. And we notice that, uh, that from the bottomless pit, uh, there comes smoke as of a great furnace. The sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit in verse number two. This pit, by the way, I just wanted to mention this to you, is the same pit as we have in Revelation chapter 20. When, uh, when uh, the devil is tied up, the chain that is used is a chain that only God can make. No man could make a chain that would hold the devil. But it's a chain that God has invented that is capable of holding the devil. So imagine what kind of a chain that would be. It might even be a tiny one just to irk him a little bit. But in any case, he cannot break that chain. He's, he's, he's powerless against it. And he is chained into the bottomless pit. So at this point, he's not chained in there. At this point, he's not kept in there. At this point, he's not even there. But he's got access to it by the will and purpose of God. In Revelation 20, he'll be put into it. And from there on, he doesn't ever come out except only to face judgment. There's going to be horrendous judgment for him. So we have this pit servicing God's purpose 
and in connection with Lucifer, the fallen star, at least on two occasions in the book of the Revelation. It is a prison cell for the destructive demons. If it were possible to go into this bottomless pit, which I'm sure it is not, but if it were possible, this would be a place that would be so infested with demonic activity, it, it, would, be, it would be evil personified in the hub of the earth. Now, remember this, that John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, in writing to the Christians, he said, I want you to know that this world lies in the wicked one. What it means is this world is spinning around in the wicked one. So depravity that happened way back at the fall of man has infested and affected the skies and the atmosphere, this planet Earth and its surface. It has gone down to the very depth of the Earth. So depravity and sin and wickedness has hit everything. Nothing has been untouched by the evil that happened many years ago. It's, it's, uh, it's just amazing to know how much sin there is in this universe, and yet here you and I are, considered to be saints, considered to be righteous, considered to be a people of, of very wonderful protection and the hand of God to be upon us, walking in this very sin-cursed earth. So this pit is a place where the destructive demons are held. Why do we say this? Well, just because of the unfolding verses that are before us. It tells us about what the creatures that are active in the hub of the earth, what they do, what they are like. And so we see that. I think what we need to realize is that when that pit is opened, if you look at verse number two again, we read that there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So what I want us to realize is that when this place is open, its effect is darkness. If you are interested in the spirit world that is not of God, not the Holy Spirit world, but if you're interested in the spirit world, guess what? You're opening your mind to extreme darkness. You're opening your mind to darkness of soul, you're opening your mind to the darkness of the mind. You're opening your entire being to darkness. There is no light in him. He doesn't present light. He doesn't present truth either. But it's not of the devil to bring light. It's of the devil to bring darkness. And so we see this even in this very simple part of this chapter where when that somehow by God's design that pit is opened up and it only produces major darkness in the world. That's what happens when people decide to follow in the path of Satan. That's what happens when they decide to follow the evil way. Satan and his cohorts have always produced damage and confusion. They do not bring peace into the world. They do not bring safety into the world. They only bring hurt and they only bring anguish. And that is their purpose in whatever they are able to do. We see the Locusts in verses 3 down to verse number 12 coming out of the pit and we notice their purpose and I just want us to look at the purpose of these as we read in verse 3 and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. So one of the things I just want you just to stop here let's, let's go a little bit slower with this verse I have a tendency just to move on but I just want to slow down here a little bit that John says he saw locusts upon the earth. So he saw something like what I showed you of before. 
don't know how big they were. He doesn't tell us how big they were. He just gives us a description of them. So I'm, in my mind, thinking they're really quite sizable. But I notice here that power is given unto them as scorpions. They're not scorpions. But power is given to them as scorpions. Uh, scorpions are rather plentiful in some parts of this world, especially in the deserts. Uh, plentiful down in South America. We were told that when we went to bed at night, and if we had our shoes on the floor, or anywhere for that matter, they said, when you get up in the morning, turn your shoes upside down and give them a couple of good bangs. And I said, okay, why would that be? Well, they said, you might see a little scorpion falling out of it. A scorpion? Ah, oh, that made me go to bed with real peace. Okay, because I, I don't understand scorpions. I, I, that's not my thing. I'm not anywhere near scorpions. And so when they said, make sure you do that, guess what? One lesson. I didn't need to. Next morning I got up, shoes upside down, bang, 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 bang. Looked inside, nope, no scorpion. So I put my shoes on. I understand it's not nice to be stung by them. Uh, you don't necessarily die from a scorpion's bite, but you can get a horrendous amount of pain. You can die from them, just depending on what your health level is like. So we are told here that these scorpions, or these locusts that come out of the pit, they're not scorpions, but... There is power, that means there's venom put into them, in a, in, and the only thing that John could compare it to was the venom of scorpions. They had an idea in the Eastern world as to what they were like, uh, and he said, as the scorpions have power, as they have venom, as they have strength to hurt, that's what these locusts will have. Verse 4, commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. A couple of things about this verse that I just want to explain to you as we go along here. First of all, we notice here that these locusts were commanded not to do what's natural for locusts to do. The natural thing for locusts or grasshoppers is to go and to devour crops, tree leaves, grass, whatever is green. They go out there and by their uh, the swarms, by the millions, they go out and they leave a path of nothing but destruction. Farmers don't want to see them coming because they can literally wipe out their crops. But here they're commanded not to touch anything that is green. Don't touch the trees. Don't touch the grass. Don't touch the crops. Leave them alone. But you're going to go after some people. And this is... This is a part of the picture of Revelation I hope you will really remember, all right? Because they can hurt those men, and I'm assuming men there means population, means whoever's on the earth, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Who has the seal of God in their foreheads? The 144,000. It doesn't say Christians have it. It says, it says 144,000. Who are the 144,000? These are 12,000 from every tribe of Israel that will be gathered together in the time of the tribulation. And 144,000 of them are sealed by God. Remember that you and I as believers, we are sealed by God the day we receive Christ. We have the sealing of the Holy Spirit within us. 
That is God's down payment. That is God's guarantee for us to be protected and to make it to heaven, to make it to be in his presence and protected from all the evil in the world. But remember, the 144,000 have a unique ministry. Their ministry is to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I have no problem using the term gospel of the kingdom as long as people understand what we're talking about. I believe in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're commanded to do as a New Testament church. These men are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's called the gospel of the kingdom. And the reason being is that they're announcing to the world that the king is coming. And they don't tell the world when that is because they themselves don't know when that is. All they know is the king is coming and they are telling the sinners in the world to repent, to get right, to believe in the gospel that will save them from their horrendous depravity and from their horrendous sin. Now, what I want you to see here, and this really caught my attention as I was studying Revelation 9 the last two weeks. I actually was ready to go last Sunday night and somehow a little bit of ice that avoided Whited out the last, last Sunday services. But, but if you notice here, it says, only those men which have not seal of God in their foreheads. So who would that be? The people that do not have the seal of God in their foreheads are all the remaining people of the world who are not the 144,000. Do you get that? Everybody who's not a part of the 144,000. So now all of a sudden, we're going to have demonic activity unleashed by God, given to this being that comes down from the sky, goes and opens the bottomless pit, and what's going to do is it's going to go against mankind. But remember the 144,000 are invincible and they're, invul they're invulnerable, they cannot be hurt, they cannot be killed, they cannot be harmed. Because of the seal of God in their foreheads, they are kept. So the people that are damaged by the locusts, and the people that are hurt by these forces that are coming, are the peoples of the world. Now, there are some people that actually believe that Christians will go through the tribulation. Why? Why should we be any better than anybody else? And the Christians have always suffered tribulation in the world anyway. Why would this be any different? Christians have never suffered the persecution of demon forces coming upon them. Christians have suffered the vile purposes of men and all kinds of wicked stuff. There's no doubt about it, sinful stuff. And, and it is demonic in the sense that it came from the devil. But to have the unleashing of evil forces like this upon the church that somehow, Romans chapter 8, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. So we have, we have a protection that has been given to us. So if people think, okay, Christians will go through, there's going to be a general time of great kind of problems and so on, then the king comes and establishes kingdom. That's what the post-tribulationists are trying to preach and teach down through the years. They call it historic premillennialism. And what they do is, they say, well, you know, Christian and non-Christian, they're going to suffer exactly the same thing. Uh, that, that I don't think is true. I don't think it's true. I don't think that God is going to come to his children, bought by the blood of his son, and say, I'm going to let the devil make havoc of you. Just don't, don't believe he's going to do that. 
quite different from what happened to Job. You can't use Job as an example and say that that has happened before. Uh, the fact is that God has protected his church by removing his church so that his people are not there. The people that do not have the seal of God are the people that are further described in Revelation. And if you don't believe this part of it, wait till we get to the end. If you don't believe that, I can't help you. That's all there's to it. Uh, notice here in verse number five, and to them it was given that they should not kill them. All right. So again, just like Job in this sense, you can do havoc, but you can't kill them but that they should be tormented for five months. And that doesn't mean some spooky figure, folks. Some people like to read spooky stuff and everything they read in the Revelations. Nothing spooky. Five months is five months, approximately 150 days. So for that period of time, that's about the period of time that locusts actually do come and hurt crops and so on. So it's about a five-month period that they're active. And so God is saying, for five months, you can go ahead and you can torment these who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. We notice in verse 6, And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Uh, I have no idea what men are going to try to do to die. I, I don't know why they can't die. Uh, if you uh, if you just really start to think about it, like if a guy wants to kill himself, can't he? Not if God says he can't, right? Uh, how many people have tried to commit suicide and couldn't? My brother and I told the story years ago. My brother and I went to a hospital in Saskatoon, and we visited with the man who had tried to shoot himself with a twenty-two caliber, caliber gun, and he shot himself, and the bullet literally made, uh, well, it just traveled through his body. It was a horrendous-looking uh, place where the bullet, the scars were all over his body and so on. And we talked to him and shared the gospel with him and invited him to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as the answer to his dilemma, whatever it was. And you know what he said to us? He said, as soon as I get out of this hospital, I'm going to do a good job, and I'm going to kill myself. Well, here he tried and he failed, so I don't know if he actually succeeded next time because we had no way of, of following up on that. But but he, uh, he, he didn't want the Lord. He just wanted to kill himself. Well, in the time of the tribulation period, as we see it in Revelation chapter 9, men will want to. They'll try, but they won't succeed. Now, there's only, <laughs> there's only pain. If somebody has pain like a scorpion's bite... Uh, I mean, I mean, the body is burning hot. It's it's unbelievable what's happening to the body because of the bites that they have received from these creatures that have actually literally infected them. And they say, I can't stand this. I'm just going to kill myself. You can't. You have to wake up in five months of this. Uh, I'm sure that it will not be a very pretty scene when that day comes. Guess what? That's coming sometime soon. And uh, if this doesn't get fulfilled, nothing else in the Bible will get fulfilled. So this, too, will happen. Uh, we notice their description. If we can just have a look at what do these creatures actually look like, and they're really a strange description of what John saw. Now, I remember as a young preacher preaching in the book of the Revelation, probably here, and uh, I, I was a great fan of Hal Lindsey. Have you heard of Hal Lindsey before? Okay, some of you have. Well, Hal Lindsey... 
uh, has uh, written years and years ago. I'm not even sure that he's alive now, but he might be. But he thought these were helicopters. And I kind of bought into that because it made sense that these might be helicopters. But in studying and rereading and so on, I don't think they're helicopters. Uh, some people might say, well, this, this definitely would, would satisfy a lot about this. But first of all, helicopters don't come out of the bottom of the earth. And helicopters aren't designed in the abyss. So I, I really don't think they're helicopters. I, I really didn't think it through very well at that time. And uh, I don't recall when I decided that they weren't helicopters. But, but in reading the scripture, I see the shapes of the locusts were like onto horses prepared onto battle. So they're a horse-like shape. So what size? Don't know. I guess God can bring out of that pit any size he wants to. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. So if you were able to draw a picture of that, I looked at some pictures online to see who had drawn the best picture of this kind of thing, and I figured, well, I'm not even going to show it. It just down weird and ridiculous. But anyway, some people did a reasonably good job. But I think you can do a pretty good job just by reading the scripture. And just by seeing that they are, they, they look like a horse, they have crowns, something that looks like a crown, a crown of gold, and they have that which looks like a man. Verse 8, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. Uh, so if that wouldn't scare you to see that, I don't know what would. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings, and I think this is where Hal Lindsey got it from, the sound of their wings were as if the sound of a chariot of many horses running to battle. So he thought there was a whirring of the helicopter, I'm saying. But, but I, think it's, I think it's just simply that these creatures are making a sound with the wings that they have. They're flying like locusts. And uh, the, it, John says it sounded like armies of horses with chariots that are running to battle. So horrendous sound. I understand that there's a fair bit of sound when the locusts infest a field and start working away at it. And it says here that they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men for how long? All right, so very clearly, they have a very unique and a very distinct purpose, and that is that for five months they have a mission that they are going to hurt these men. Now, there's a purpose in this. It isn't that God is just punishing. It isn't that he is just making it difficult on the people who have not submitted to him and to his authority. Uh, what he has done is he has just worked on these people or will be working on these people for a very distinct purpose. And we see that at the end of the story tonight as well. Here's something unique. They had a king over them. Locusts don't have a king over them. All right? They're kind of uh, creatures that kind of just do their own thing. And uh, so that these, however, had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. So somehow there is some sort of a, a spiritual being that is with this crowd in the bottomless pit. And we read his name in the Hebrew tongue. It is called Abaddon. In the Greek tongue, he has his name as Apollyon. And what we find in the definitions is that they both mean destroyer. So 
that is the first part as to when men will want to die and request to die. The second reason that men will wish they could die is when the demons of the Euphrates are released in chapter 9, verses 13 down to verse 19. Their purpose, in verse number 15 we read, And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, a day, and a month. So that's about, about what, is it just 13 months and a little bit? Uh, and a year for to slay the third part of men. So their purpose, these four angels, and they're not angels in the sense that we think of angels, but they are fallen angels. They're held in the bottom of the Euphrates River. They will be released from that location in the future tribulation time. So if you were sailing down the Euphrates River, somewhere along the path there, you would be coasting or sailing over one particular place that is holding the most vicious demons and have been there forever since the world began. God placed them there. And the reason God placed them there was because these were very, very destructive demons, very destructive forces, and they have no respect for any person which the devil doesn't anyway. So we see from the result of these who are let go that one half of the earth's population has been put to death under demonic military control. We, uh, we see that one quarter was killed and now one third, which amounts to about a half of the earth's population. So if you can think of the 7.6 billion people in the world today, don't know how many are going to be taken out of this world, but let's assume that there will be somewhere around 7 billion or so, and, and half of the world's population, 3.5 billion people, is an awful lot of human bodies. It's an awful lot of waste. So when somebody says, oh, I don't really fear the tribulation that much, just think about it. Half the world's population destroyed by the forces of evil. The devil moves in, and his purpose, remember, the thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Remember, he has no intent except to put to death. He has no intent except to do harm. That's all that he wants to do. So we notice from this that a half of the earth's population, when these angels are done, these demons are done, will have destroyed the world's population. In verse 16, we see the battle. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, thousand, and I heard the number of them. 200,000, uh, 200, it's just not that easy to do the math. But uh, it has been figured out for us. It's a 200 million man armies. I don't think it's just the army of one country. It might be, but it doesn't need to be. Because we're, we see that these are the men from the east that come over the river of Euphrates. Now, people have said that China has a 200 million man army. If they do, it's not an active army. They have somewhere like a couple of, uh, couple of million, not 200 million. Uh, if, you, if you look at all of the armies combined in the world today, they only have in, in the 12, 15 million of, of actually active. Now, they have tons of reserves and they have the capability. China has the capability of putting 200 million men up front to fight. They have that capability. They just don't have that army. So I don't know, uh, I don't know whoever said that they have a 200 million man army. I think I quoted it one time, but it doesn't turn out to be true. But these who cross the Euphrates River that come over into the Middle East to do war and to do battle 
is a number of 200 million men. The horseman doesn't necessarily mean 200 million horses, but the, the men who both ride horses as well as are marching on, the, on, the, on their feet to go over to do battle at that time. Uh, so that's a horrendous amount of people. Well, I just want you to see the map over here. Because uh, if you can see China, which has, am I right, 2 billion people? They, they, it might not be 2 billion, but it, it's getting close to that, if not, because India is about 1.3 billion now. Uh, then you have all these other, Kyrgyzstan, the Tajikistan, the Yurkmenistan, you have the Uzbekistan, you have all of these countries that are marked in red. You put these together, and if China can muster up 200 million people, uh, put all these armies together with the people that they have in reserve and so on, not hard to believe that 200 million people could travel across the Euphrates River. It will dry up for this purpose. And these four demons, they're in Tartarus. Tartarus is the deepest hell. And they're in Tartarus, and they will be held there until their release in Revelation chapter 9. And when they are released, they will motivate these people. So it'll be demonic forces combined with human forces that are going to come to the greatest battle that has ever happened in the world. Uh, this is Napoleon Bonaparte, who was uh, a great French fighter, uh, went up towards, uh, I think he went up towards Poland or towards, uh, um, trying to name, think of the name where I come from, Prussia. And uh, not, not where I came from recently, but my ancestry comes from there. And... Uh, and Napoleon went up there, and of course he met his Waterloo up there. He, he was overcome by the king of Prussia. But Napoleon was quoted as having said, as he passed on, he said, over to our, to our uh, right here, he said, there is that gigantic nation of China. He said, she is a sleeping giant. He said, let her sleep, because when she wakes up, she's going to be a terror. Well, we're at that stage. They've got weaponry, they've got armies, they've got purposes and plans that are just shuddering to think of what they have in their arsenal. Uh, they're ready, and they will be ready, and they will go to it. So, so China, together with their cohorts, are indeed a sleeping giant that will waken up when this time comes. What's their artillery? Verse 17 through 19. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, of jacinth, and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. So what I want you to see here is that there is, there is some real dynamic activity that's happening as a result of these. And by these three was the third part of men killed by fire, by the smoke, and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. Satan only wants to hurt. The demonic forces only want to hurt. That's what they do. That's what they're famous for. They're Apollyon. They're destroyers. That's what it's all about. So stay away from anything that has anything to do with the satanic world. Stay away from it. It's no good news in there. It's all bad news. It's all darkness. It's all evil and wickedness. Well, so you have fire, you have smoke, you have brimstone. What a what a beautiful day we've enjoyed today. Somebody just wanted us to know that. 
uh, it's been just really a wonderful day, and we've enjoyed it, all of us. I've heard so many comments today. What a contrast from last week. What a beautiful day it is. But if you could just look outside all of a sudden and just see nothing but charred fields and buildings, everything just burned, and everything just, I mean, as far as you could see, and you couldn't step out there for ashes and for all kinds of stuff going on out there and the stench of it, that's what the brimstone would be like. So between the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, men are not even going to be able to breathe and they will die. So this is going to affect a total of about a half of the world's population at that time. And then we have the third. My time is well gone, but be patient just for a few minutes. I'll just run through this very, very quickly because I want to come to the conclusion of this. What's the purpose in all of this? What's this all about? What is happening in Revelation 9? And so we notice the spiritual and the moral condition of men in verses 20 through 22. We notice, first of all, there will be devil and idol worship. There's been enough of that in the history of the world. There's enough of that today. But we read, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet, notice this, repented not of the works of their hands. So we see that those who will be worshiping the devil and we'll see more of that as we go on in the next couple of chapters, they are not supposed to worship devils. A part of the purpose of Revelation 9 will be to convince the devil worshipers this is a bad idea, so don't do it. They will be worshiping idols of gold, silver, and of brass, and of stone, and of wood. Well, they've done this even before Moses' time. They were doing this. He said, those that cannot see, nor hear, nor walk, so men have bowed down to, to images. I don't, I don't quite understand how people can say they're Christians and bow down to images or be in places where the images are worshipped. It, it's just very difficult to comprehend. Uh, verse 21, he said, Neither repented they of their murders. So verse 20 and 21, that in spite of all of this that is happening in Revelation 9, we see that they did not or they will not repent of their murders. Uh, just want you to realize that right now there are something like 437,000 people that are murdered in the world every year. Just about a half a million of people that get cold blood murder. There are 55.7 million abortions each year. And uh, by the way, I, I believe that Aborting a baby by on purpose, not talking miscarriage, I'm talking about aborting babies on purpose, is not exactly the same thing as killing you and me, but it's killing a human life. So it's still classified, in my mind, as cold-blooded murder. And so much can be said, and we do that quite often. The stats on euthanasia, just I found this really amazing. There are 180 people that have been put to death on an annual basis uh, in Ontario since they said that we're going to allow euthanasia to happen. And uh, there are now approximately 13 assisted suicide, assisted deaths performed every week in Ontario. In British Columbia, there's 154 people that are put to death in the year. In Alberta, there are 63. They're a bit more of a Bible belt there. In Manitoba, there are 18 people that are put to death. In Saskatchewan, there were eight for the year. And in Nova Scotia, there were 16. And Newfoundland and Labrador, um, not sure that there was a figure for them. 
Uh, Quebec had 300 assisted deaths in 2016. We also noticed that in addition to the putting to death of people, that they will not repent of their sorceries. And the sorceries includes the use of drugs in an illegal manner. And uh, this drug abuse is a problem. The World Drug Report in 2017 is estimated that 255 million people used illicit drugs such as cannabis, amphetamines, opioids, and cocaine in 2015, which translates into an annual prevalence of illicit drug use of 5.3%. Cannabis is the most used with 183 million users. It is estimated that there are 12 million people who inject drugs. We're also told that they will not repent of their fornication. How many prostitutes are there in the world? Isn't that a strange question to Google? And they came up with 13,828,700 prostitutes in the world today. Uh, general pornography stats, every second, 28,258 users are watching pornography on the internet. Every second, $3,075.64 is being spent on pornography on the internet. People buying these sites that are not available for free. Every second, 372 people are typing the word adult into search engines. 40 million American people regularly visit porn sites. 35% of all internet downloads are related to pornography. 25% of all search engine queries are related to pornography or about 68 million search queries a day. One third of the porn viewers are women. I don't understand that, but I guess women have the same perverted desires that the two thirds of men do. Search engines get 116,000 queries every day related to child pornography. 34% of internet users have experienced unwanted exposure to pornographic content through ads, through pop-up ads, misdirected links, or through emails. 2.5 billion emails sent or received every day contain pornography. Every 39 minutes, a new pornography video is being created in the United States of America. About 200,000 Americans are porn addicts and nor do they repent of their thefts. So as you read the latter part of verse chapter 9 and verses 20 through 22, you see, God sees these statistics, and he has them accurately. These may not be accurate, but his statistics are accurate. He sees them. And he sees from the atmosphere, he sees down here where we walk, and he sees down underneath, and he sees a huge black, and a very black environment of sin and debauchery and wickedness. And so he sent his son that he would die for this horrendous situation. And the son did that with agony and he died in our place. And then he told us from that time on, go and tell the world, go and preach the gospel, go and let people know that there is a better way but we're losing ground. And God sees we're not going to win that. Sin and evil will triumph. He'll take his church out and it'll be even blacker than it ever was before. And he'll say that 
They're full of murder. They're full of sorceries, that is witchcraft, demonic activity, drug illicit use. There'll be fornicators like never before and nothing will be safe because they're gonna be thieves like never before. They'll just steal anything and everything and they won't repent of it. See, you can do anything to a man or a woman they will not repent. They will only repent when they see the purity and the goodness of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And then when that person says, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and wash me clean. He comes. He wipes all of that filth and all of the potential. All of it. He wipes it clean with the blood of his son, and he makes us his children. So the purpose of these didn't change anything, but it lets men know that God is forever giving them chances and chances and chances from one thing to another, but they don't avail themselves of it. My question to you tonight is, have you availed yourself of the highest privilege that any man can ever have, have you availed yourself of God's offer of love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ? Have you discovered life in him? Is he your savior and are you safe? Because you're in the arms of Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us today at the Revelation Podcast. We invite you to join us again next week for a new episode. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, please subscribe and share with your friends. If you want to hear more messages from Dr. Neil Sawatsky or learn how you can visit a service, please check out openbible.ca.